Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. Back when I was in high school, some of the guys who professed to be Christians actually lived the most lawless lifestyles. And it really did seem to undermine their claim that they were Christians. This does bring up an interesting question. What is a Christian? Is a Christian someone who merely says that he is a Christian? Someone who goes to church for 30 minutes on Sunday and yet lives really an appalling way of life the rest of the week? Does a Christian have to be perfect before he can be considered an actual Christian? There are a lot of things we need to think about when it comes to this subject. The late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong wrote a booklet titled, Just What Do You Mean? Conversion. And he points to the biblical definition of a Christian. We could come up with all kinds of definitions, but the only one that really matters is God's definition. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 says, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Mr. Armstrong explains on page two of this booklet, a Christian then is one who has received and in whose mind dwells the Holy Spirit of God. Otherwise, he is not Christ's, not a Christian. And then he continues on this, on this page two of the Just What Do You Mean conversion booklet, which you can get a free copy of at thetrumpet.com. So understand this, a person is a Christian in God's sight only while God's Holy Spirit is dwelling in him, not before, not after. So a truly converted person has received and currently has God's Holy Spirit dwelling within him. But there is yet quite a bit more to understanding what constitutes real conversion. So that is what a Christian really is. He has to have the Holy Spirit combined with his human spirit in his human mind. That Holy Spirit is the very mind, power, and life of God himself. And if that Holy Spirit is absent from our minds, then we simply are not Christians at all. We might be on the path to becoming Christians if we are striving to receive the Holy Spirit, or maybe we're not anywhere close to becoming Christian 
if we have no aspirations to receive God's Holy Spirit, we are only Christian as long as the Holy Spirit dwells in us. And as Mr. Armstrong explains, this is what constitutes conversion. There is a definite moment in time when each Christian receives the Holy Spirit. And at that very moment, he is converted. And yet at the same time, conversion is a lifelong process. It doesn't happen in an instant. So it's quite the paradox. Conversion does happen at the very moment that a person receives the Holy Spirit. And yet conversion also takes many, many years. Mr. Armstrong explains here, just continuing in this booklet, that you receive just a down payment of the Holy Spirit upon conversion. And we'll get into the requirements for receiving the Holy Spirit in the first place, but you only get a little bit at the very start. And God expects us to use that Holy Spirit and to let it grow in our lives. And we can stir it up and use more and more of it all the time. Page four of just what do you mean conversion? Each Christian is expected to grow spiritually in spiritual knowledge and grace. Second Peter three, verse 18. Mr. Armstrong continues, the Christian life is a life of spiritual going to school, of training for a position in God's kingdom, when and after we shall be changed from mortal to immortal, when we shall no longer, when we shall be no longer flesh and blood humans, but composed of spirit with eternal life inherent. So you see, the Holy Spirit is actually the bridge between man and God. It's how we humans can transition, can be converted from human man into divine God and enter the God family. Obviously, as long as each one of us is still a physical flesh and blood human, we have not been converted into a God being yet a son of God. It is a process. Real conversion means a real deep change in the direction we're going in life and eventually even the composition of our bodies from physical to spiritual. But it really does require God giving us a gift the Holy Spirit is a gift from God. We cannot earn it in any way. And yet, at the same time, God still does have conditions that he requires from us before he will give us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit not because we have earned it, but because he wants to give us a gift. 
Mr. Armstrong writes here on page four of just what do you mean conversion? We have to be ruled before we can learn to rule. So this is talking about the Christian life, how we receive a little bit of the Holy Spirit and God watches us to see how we use it, to see how we grow it. And to see, will we really submit to him every day and grow in his character every day, obeying the Ten Commandments to the fullest spiritual intent? We have to show God that we can be trusted in this training ground of life as we train for a position in God's kingdom. We have to use our resources according to God's perfect law, our time, our money, our pursuits, our energy, our effort, our goals. It all has to be according to God's law in this life today before God can trust us to rule in the next life. We have to be ruled by God today. So we can rule under God tomorrow. The Holy Spirit is a huge part of helping us in this process. Training us and preparing us to rule with God in his kingdom very soon. You can look at Luke chapter 19. The parable of the pounds which shows the high importance God places on growth. Again, he wants us to grow in grace and knowledge every day, continually walking in the right direction. There are passages like Daniel 2 and Daniel 7 that explain more about God's kingdom. It is a literal world-ruling kingdom. When Jesus Christ returns... He will establish that kingdom here on earth, and it will be the government of God administering the law of God. And there will be rulers under Christ who have trained for that in this physical life already before being converted into members of the God family with spirit bodies. Again, the Holy Spirit is part of all of this. Mr. Armstrong describes how to receive God's Holy Spirit here on page six. He quotes Acts 2 verse 38, where the apostle Peter says, repent and be baptized. That is how to receive God's gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent of sin which is the breaking of God's law, 1 John 3, verse 4. Acts 5, verse 32 says that God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. We have to obey God's law. We have to repent of breaking that law and commit to obeying God's law moving forward. That is real repentance, a total change of life. And then there is baptism, which is, as Mr. Armstrong writes, the outward manifestation of the inner faith in Christ. So baptism really is just an indication 
that we believe God's promises. We believe God's truth. We believe the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the, the good news of the coming kingdom of God. And we get baptized as an expression of our belief in God's truth. So it's repentance and faith. That's how we receive God's Holy Spirit, which includes the physical step of actually getting baptized, fully submerged in the water, coming out of that water, the ministry, laying hands on us, praying over us, and imparting that Holy Spirit. Of course, God gives the Holy Spirit. Conversion, repentance, it's really about a total change of mind and heart. A change in the way we think, the way we feel, the direction that we're going in life. It is a change to a new way of life. Mr. Armstrong writes, it is a turning from the self-centered way of vanity, selfishness, greed, hostility to authority, envy, jealousy, and unconcern for the good and welfare of others to the God-centered way of obedience, submission to authority, love toward God more than love of self, and of love and concern for other humans equal to self-concern. The Bible shows us in Romans 13, verse 10, that love fulfills God's law. If we express love toward God, love toward humans, we are actually keeping God's law because God's law is love. Keeping those Ten Commandments is just a way of showing love to others and also to ourselves. The Holy Spirit is actually God's way of opening our mind to his truth. We can't understand the Bible unless we receive God's Holy Spirit. It unlocks the Bible for us. It gives us the full knowledge of God's word that we need in order to be converted. Again, conversion happens the moment we receive the Holy Spirit, but it also happens over the course of an entire lifetime. And to actually be converted, we need a knowledge of God's way. If we're going to change from our own way to God's way, we have to really study deeply into the Bible to know God's way. So we need a full knowledge of the truth to be converted. Mr. Armstrong writes here on page seven to repent is to make an unconditional surrender to God to obey his law. Mr. Armstrong thoroughly explains here that the Holy Spirit does not force us to do this. The Holy Spirit does not drag us around on a leash like a dog forcing us to go a certain way. But again, the Holy Spirit gives us understanding of God's law. It does give us power to fully obey God's law. If we use that Holy Spirit 
if we choose to follow it, but it will not force us. Page eight, just what do you, do you mean conversion? A true Christian must grow spiritually. So this is talking about from the very moment of being baptized, receiving the Holy Spirit, he now must grow spiritually. Just as a newly conceived embryo in its mother's womb must grow physically large enough to be born as a human. You see, the physical process of conception, gestation, and birth directly parallels the process of becoming converted. There is a moment of spiritual conception when we receive the Holy Spirit. But then after that, we're all in a gestation process, growing spiritually until the spiritual birth. And when we are born spiritually, we'll know it. We're not born again now. No human is born again now, except for Christ. Christ is now a God being. He's alive today. He was a human at one time, but now again, he is a God being. And that's the path we must follow. Follow Christ's example and eventually be born again of the spirit this time. John 3 shows we don't crawl up in our mother's womb to be born a second time physically. The second birth is a spiritual birth. And it means we'll receive spirit bodies. Just like Jesus Christ now has once again. 1 John 1 talks about how we have fellowship with God the Father and with Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with them every day through prayer and Bible study, through talking with church members, people of like mind with the same goal and purpose in this life. And we have a chance to walk with God in the light. 1 John 1, verses 5 and 6. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So there are two paths. There is a path of light. There is a path of darkness. Now, does being on the path of light mean we're perfect, that we never, ever sin? Well, clearly, human beings are sinful, and we do fail. It doesn't mean that we have now left the path of light. If we're really on this conversion process, we're not kicked off the path of light the second that we fail. We have to turn to God and repent again every time we sin and determine not to make those same mistakes again. Mr. Armstrong compares it to literally walking on a lighted path right next to Jesus Christ. Little babies, when they're learning how to walk, 
stumble and fall all the time for a year or two almost until they finally figure out how to walk. Imagine if all those little babies quit after a certain number of stumbles. (laughs) What if we all just to this day as adults crawled around everywhere because when we were babies, we just thought it was too hard to learn how to walk. It would be ridiculous to see people crawling around on the floor here in the hall of administration or at your job or even at your home. If your wife or your husband is crawling around because he literally doesn't know how to walk, we cannot quit a little baby. A little child is such a wonderful example for all of us, how that child learns how to walk never quitting. Now, when we're on this lighted path with Christ and we fall down, Christ gives us a helping hand and he helps us right back up. And he says, that's okay. Just try not to do it again. And if we repent and we still have the right attitude of striving to obey God, and we're putting in the effort to make the changes we need to make, When we stumble, it does not mean it's over for us. We just cannot quit. That's the main thing. Mr. Armstrong writes here on pages 9 and 10, the true Christian intends to live God's way. He wants to live God's way. He tries to live God's way. And in general, it now actually is his habitual new way of life. The occasional slip or sin does not mean that in his mind and heart, he has rejected God and God's way. 1 John 1 verse 9 shows us what to do when we do stumble. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, we must repent Every time we stumble and get back to obeying God's law, we are spiritually babies at the moment we receive the Holy Spirit and we must grow and develop until Jesus Christ returns and until we are born spiritually. We must allow God to build his perfect, holy, righteous character in us by just submitting to him and obeying him. Character develops and grows by exercise. Every decision we make every day is an opportunity to grow in character. Putting God first in the morning when we wake up. Working hard throughout the day. Giving of ourselves to build our families. And even to keep the health laws, and and the financial laws. Those are all incredible, wonderful opportunities to build God's character. And the Holy Spirit is the power we need. It's the help that we need to submit to God and continue in this conversion process. Page 14 of Just What Do You Mean Conversion. Again, you can get a free copy at thetrumpet.com. God looks on the heart, the inner motive, the real intent, 
God is rich in mercy toward that man in his striving to overcome. We just have to keep on fighting. It's a constant battle against sin, a constant growth process, growing in grace and knowledge, understanding God's word more and more, and using it to change the way we live, changing our bad habits into good habits and growing toward perfection all the time. That is real conversion. And you can learn so much more about this beautiful subject by getting your free copy of Just What Do You Mean Conversion. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.